So Acts chapter 18 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. And uh, continuing our series, of course, we've spent the last few weeks just delving into, spending a little bit of time really focusing on Paul's sermon in Athens, focusing on uh, really how God is not a God who is unknown but desires relationship with his people. He is a God who can and desires to be known. How it's in him that we find our purpose and meaning and ultimately how it all is, is about Jesus. And so Paul, uh, here in Acts chapter 18, we're going to read from verse 1. And uh, before we do that, I'm just going to pray and uh, just invite the Lord to come and just open up our hearts to his word today. So Father, we welcome your presence, Lord, today. We welcome you to come and, and speak to our hearts. Lord, we welcome you to come and, and uh, transform us, to change us, to challenge us where we need that. Lord God, get us out of our comfort zone. Help us to, to look to you. We thank you for your word that is powerful, Lord, that corrects, that teaches us, that is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path, Lord God. And I just pray this morning, as your word goes forth from this place across the technology, Lord, that um, it would accomplish the purpose that you have for it today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read, read together from verse 1 of Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. We'll leave it there. So here in Acts chapter 18, Paul leaves Athens and he moves on to Corinth. Now in this season, there are many of us perhaps who are missing uh, just being able to, to travel from one place to another. But Paul, he moves from Athens to Corinth. And you know, there are many places in the world, even though we're perhaps unable to, to travel anywhere at the moment, but there are many places, aren't there, in the world that are known for certain things, known for particular things. For example, there, we talk about a, a food capital of a region. We talk about a, a sporting capital of a particular place. Now, I know that we in this nation, certainly in Melbourne, probably lay claim to being the sporting capital of the world. I'll, I'll put that one out there this morning. Perhaps a, a place is known as being a bit of a, a party place 
or a place of historical significance, a place of you know, great architecture, all those things, the list could go on. But there are certain places known for particular things. And this place, Corinth, was known for certain things. It had a little bit of a reputation, if you like. And so as Paul leaves Athens, the intellectual capital of Greece, he travels and moves to Corinth, which was known for being the center of sensuality, if you like. And it's interesting that just as we've read these last couple of chapters in the book of Acts, two major cities, Athens and Corinth, and represent or within them were two major strongholds, intellectual pride and worldly, lustful living. And so let me just give a little bit of a picture about Corinth. It was a a key city in Greece. It was known at the time as the, the Bridge of Greece or the Marketplace of Greece. It was a major port and it was a city for trade. It was a key city there. In, in Greece. And with that came much wealth and prosperity. With that came, I guess, much worldliness. It was a place very worldly. And with that came much sin and immorality. And Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, we can read about that in the 1 and 2 Corinthians, he addresses all sorts of issues that were kind of, I guess, part of the culture of that place. He addressed division in the church. He addressed idolatry. He addressed sexual immorality and worldliness. So this place of Corinth was a place of of much darkness, of much sin, of much hard soil. Yet this was the place, this was the environment that Paul lived in and worked in. It was a place that in the natural looked less than an ideal place to be planted Less than an ideal place for God to move. But as we see throughout Scripture, isn't that just the sort of place that the Lord loves to work? And for Paul, it would have been easy perhaps to move on to someplace else. To move on to an easier place, a, a place that might be more open. A place that might have less wickedness and darkness surrounding him. A place that... Uh, perhaps might have um, offered more encouragement. But by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul had some of his greatest triumphs in Corinth. And I want to suggest to us this morning, as God's people, that there are times that we find ourselves in a place like Corinth. A place that is marked by certain things that in the natural look less than ideal. But just as for Paul, there was much that the Lord wanted to do in and through him in Corinth. So for us, if we delve a little deeper, if we look for the hidden gems, we will find that a place like Corinth is not a place to to get out of, to run away from, but rather a place for the Lord to work and to manifest his power. So what does it look like to be in a place like Corinth? And this morning, I just want to spend a few moments um, contrasting what it looks like in the natural with what it might look like with eyes of faith and then give us two keys or two encouragements, hopefully, to encourage us, to help us how we can live and respond if we find ourselves in a place like 
Corinth. So first of all, a place like Corinth can feel like a tough and lonely place. Now Paul, of course, he goes to Corinth on his own, not knowing anyone there, not taking anyone with him. And as I've been uh, researching this week, that many of the historical uh, commentaries about Corinth, there was, there was certain phrases that were used that was described as a tough city. It was described as a place where only the tough could survive. It was described as a, um, a phrase was that not every man could afford a journey down to Corinth. This is the kind of place it can feel tough and lonely. And I want to encourage us this morning, before we get too much further, to never underestimate or devalue where God has placed you right now. Whether that's in your, your family unit, your home, your community where you live, your workplace, wherever you're studying. Don't underestimate or devalue where God has placed you, but look for what He is doing. Because if we have eyes to see, a place like Corinth is a place of partnership. Not just a tough and lonely place, but a place of partnership. In verse 2 and 3, we read that even though Paul knew one there, he found two faithful people, Priscilla and Aquila, who he worked alongside, both practically as tent makers, but also who worked alongside him spiritually in ministry. And Romans 16, verse 3 to 4, gives us an insight into the kind of people that they were. Paul refers to them as fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. They were known as faithful workers, a great encouragement both personally for Paul and to the wider church. And, you know, we're not called to be alone, to be isolated to be outside of community, to be lone rangers, if you like. We were made for community, for connection, for relationship. And I would also say, as part of that, that we are called to be faithful workers, to be people who are of great encouragement to those around us individually, but also to the church at large, the church body as well. I've always loved what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 24 and 25, it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you have found yourself in a place like Corinth, a place where it may be feeling, where you feel isolated or lonely, or that it's a bit of a tough place, know that you don't have to remain feeling that way. Would you consider how to to stir up those around you to love and good works? Would you consider who God is calling you to seek out, to come alongside, to walk with and encourage? For godly partnership, I believe, leads to fruitfulness, as we see in this account of Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. A place like Corinth need not be a tough and lonely place, but rather, if we have eyes to see, It can be a place of partnership and a place of fruitfulness. Let's jump down to verse 6. A place like Corinth can feel like a place of opposition and discouragement as well. And so look, before we get to that, oh, that's not very uplifting and encouraging, Adam. Just bear with me because we'll get to someplace good, I'm hoping. But 
But we must recognize and understand that there will be times in our lives where we experience opposition and discouragement, just as Paul did in Corinth. And especially when we are truly following Jesus, responding to his call and his leading, and stepping out in faith into all that he has for us. And how we respond to opposition and discouragement is so important. For Paul, the opposition came because he was going about proclaiming Jesus. It came because the light of the truth of God's word was beginning to, 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 to burst forth and go forth. It was beginning to disturb the darkness and unsettle the unbelief. And when faced with this opposition, it would have been easy for Paul to give up, to lose heart, to move on. Because you know, he'd faced much opposition before. He'd been beaten, he'd been stoned, he'd been put in prison. The Jews had kind of risen up and opposed him in various places before. Perhaps there was this sense of, oh, here we go again. What's going on here, Lord? But he continued to press on. And if we allow it in our own lives, opposition and discouragement can and will throw us off course. It will cause us to lose heart, to lose focus, to lose clarity. If you have found yourself in a place like Corinth, there may be times of opposition and discouragement. But don't lose heart. Don't allow discouragement and opposition to stop you in your tracks. But look beyond that to the one who is faithful. I believe this day that the Holy Spirit, in fact, wants to bring fresh encouragement and strength to us as his people to, to deal with, to stand firm in, and to look beyond opposition and discouragement. Yes, it may be there, but if we have eyes to see, there may be opposition in a place like Corinth, but a place like Corinth is also a place of opportunity. And after the opposition, Paul moves his focus to the Gentiles. He literally moves next door, and, and there is fruit. It's easy in a place like Corinth to bemoan the darkness, to complain about the hard soil, the doors that may seem shut, that may seem like tough going at times. But in the midst of the darkness... Let us be a people who shine brightly for his glory. As it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, that, that in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, we're called to shine as lights in this world. So let's look for the opportunities and the occasions where God is wanting to break through. Let's remember the hope that we carry through the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the finished work of the cross, the hope that we carry within us and that we can spread and give away to those around us. Let's remember the power of the gospel to break through. Even though there was opposition here in Corinth for Paul, even though the doors seemed shut in the natural, the Bible tells us that many Corinthians believed and were baptized. There was fruit there. Maybe some of us are in a place where there is opposition and discouragement, 
where the door seems to be closed, where we may be losing heart, but, but maybe, just maybe, it's a place of opportunity, a place where the Lord is in fact wanting to break through. We just need to have eyes to see what He's doing. Let's read on, verses 9 and verse 10. A place like Corinth is a place where we can feel afraid and like God is distant. And if we look at the context here in in verse 9 and verse 10, we know that Paul was really struggling with, with fears and with doubts because if there is a need to not be afraid, Paul must have been afraid. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 gives a little bit of further insight into just where Paul was at at this point when he was in Corinth. It says this, that I was with you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Weakness and fear and much trembling, that doesn't sound like a great place to be in. And I don't know about you, but, but I, I kind of find this strangely encouraging. Not that I ever wish for people to be in that place of feeling afraid and and weak and trembling, but I can kind of think of Paul at times as, you know, this amazing apostle, almost, you know, superhuman in a way. He was bold, he carried the gospel forth to the known world, and he just told it how it was and all those things, but it's slightly, somewhat encouraging because it gives a little bit of an insight into uh, his human frailty, that there was fear and there was doubt and there was discouragement the effects of the opposition that he'd experienced for him. And if you've found yourself in a place like Corinth, where God maybe feels distant, where you feel afraid, if we have eyes to see, a place like Corinth is actually a place of encounter. Because it was in the midst of the darkness, it was in the midst of the opposition, it was in the midst of that place of of fear and uncertainty for Paul that Jesus himself appeared to him. Just when he needed it, the Lord showed up. The Lord spoke to him and gave him all that he needed, not only to to just keep going and carry on, but to continue with a fresh sense of boldness and purpose and then go on to see great fruitfulness. The Bible says he was there for 18 months, preaching and proclaiming the word of God. He grabbed hold of, of that word that the Lord spoke to him. And if we only focus on the the stuff that is going on around us, the the darkness perhaps, the discouragement or the fear, the where are you God? If we only focus on that and don't look, look beyond that to the one who is faithful, to look beyond that to the one who sustains us even in the darkest nights, the one who brings hope and meets us right where we're at. We can miss what he is saying and what he is doing. We can miss that place of encounter that I believe that he desires for all of his people. Maybe you feel like you're in a place like Corinth this morning, where in the natural it seems like it's a tough and lonely place, where there is discouragement and opposition all around, where you maybe feel afraid or uncertain and that God may appear or feel distant. As in the natural, it seemed like this for Paul. 
Would you lift your eyes afresh to the Lord this morning? I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2. He he writes in this place of fear and uncertainty. He says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. His eyes were, were focused upon the Lord. And I want to suggest that for us, that is a great place for us to come back to this morning. To know nothing else but to look to the Lord Jesus Christ afresh today. I pray that we would have eyes to see what the Lord is doing. That we would not just look at the things, look at things on the surface. What this place like Corinth is known for. But we would dig a little bit deeper to find those hidden gems of the Lord's purpose and what He is doing. So this morning, I want to just give us a couple of keys as to how we are called to respond, how we're called to live in a place like Corinth. A couple of things I want to encourage us and myself in as well. First of all, to press in and to press on. Press in and press on. We're called to to press into God and to press on in faith when we find ourselves in a place like Corinth. What I mean by that is to press into God, to to draw near to Him, to seek Him afresh, to to kind of come with that sense of, you know what, I'm going to push past what I may be seeing with my eyes, what I may be feeling right now, and I'm going to look to You, Lord. I'm going to grab hold of You and not let You go. Press into God and to press on in faith. Not giving up, not being thrown off course, but in faith moving forward. Stepping into what the Lord has. Continuing to follow after Him. For Paul, the opposition and the discouragement didn't cause him to give up or to leave that place called Corinth. But rather he pressed on in faith. He encountered the Lord in that place. Grabbed hold of the promise that God had given him. And he pressed on in faith. Yes, his strategy changed a bit. He moved to the Gentiles, but the message and his focus did not change. He continued to proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified, the message and the power of the gospel. He was there 18 months establishing the church, proclaiming the word, and many believed and were baptized in that place. Press in and press on. That encouragement for us today. Secondly, this morning, to rest in and stand on. This is what I mean by that. To rest in the promise of His presence and His protection. And to stand on the promise of His presence and protection. In verse 9, the Lord appears to Paul and He says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is one of the most common commands or encouragements given in all of Scripture. Don't be afraid. And I I think that's probably the case because of our uh, propensity as humans towards fear and being afraid. But the Lord says, do not be afraid. And you know, this, this encouragement here and all through Scripture, it's not just an isolated command given without any context or any framework for how or why we don't need to be afraid. You know, just, just stop being afraid. No, the Lord himself follows it up with the how and with the why. He says, for I am with you. For I am with you. What an amazing, marvelous promise 
that is for each and every one of us this morning, wherever we may be at. And if you only hear and take away one thing this morning, maybe you've got a little bit comfy on the couch there at home. Maybe you've been wrangling kids and I understand all that. Maybe the kids can just listen up to this point as well. If there's one thing this morning I'd encourage you in, it's to grab hold of this promise, to not be afraid. Why? Because He is with us. The promise of His presence can enable us to stand firm, to press in and to press on and to not lose heart and give up. We don't need to fear the circumstances around us, the opposition that may be coming, the difficulties we may be experiencing. And you know, we, don't, we also don't need to fear truly following Jesus, making a stand for Him, proclaiming who He is, worrying about what others might think if we're living wholeheartedly for Him. So this morning, that encouragement to press in to God and press on in faith, to rest in His promise and to stand on, stand firm on the promise of His presence and His protection. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul writes these words. He says that we walk by faith, not just by sight. And I think it was fitting that he wrote that to the Corinthian church. For Paul, it was something that Paul had to live and remind himself of as well, I believe. For Paul, Corinth was a place and had the potential to stay a place that was tough and lonely place of opposition and discouragement, a place of fear. However, with eyes to see, with ears to hear, walking by faith, not just by sight, it became a place of partnership, a place of opportunity, a place of encounter, and ultimately a place of fruitfulness for Paul. And for us, I want to encourage us, leave us with this, that God is more than able to break through even in a place like Corinth. May we be a people who walk by faith, not just by sight, who press into God and press on in faith and who rest in and stand firm on the promise of His presence, that He is with us and of His protection. That a place like Corinth, where we may find ourselves in a place like that, would indeed be a place of of partnership, of seeking out others, we can come alongside and spur on and encourage that it would be a place of encouragement, a place of opportunity, a place of encounter, and ultimately a place of fruitfulness. A place of fruitfulness. So as we bring our time together to a close this morning, I'm just going to pray. Um, So if, if you're able to in your homes, you might like to just open up your hands to the Lord, just... Just uh, intentionally turn your attention to Him. Just invite His presence, welcome His presence to come and rest upon you this morning. Father, I thank You, Lord, for this day that we've been able to to gather all around this region. We've been able to to worship You, Lord, and honour Your name. We've been able to partake of communion. Remember the price that you paid, your death and your resurrection, Lord Jesus, that we've been able to open up your word. And Lord, I want to just bless each and every person this morning who's tuning in. 
I bless them with your, your grace, Lord, your love, your presence, and your peace, the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that for each and every person, that, Lord, uh, we would not lose heart, that, God, you would stir our hearts afresh today to seek out, Lord, those that we can come alongside and journey with and partner with and encourage and spur on, Lord God, that we would be a people connected in community. I pray today, Lord God, that um, you would help us, Lord, to deal well with opposition and discouragement, to not be thrown off course, Lord God, to not lose heart, but rather to press into you and press on. I pray, Lord, that, God, wherever we're at today, that we would encounter you afresh, Lord God, that, Lord, fear would be lifted off. And I pray that you would help us to stand firm, rest in your promise, stand firm on your promise that you are with us, Lord God. We thank you for that. Pray that you would help us to walk by faith, not just by sight. As we go into the week ahead, may we go full of faith, full of expectancy, with eyes to see what you are doing, Lord God. Thank you that you're with us. And Lord, I just particularly want to pray for those who this may apply to today, for those who who feel afraid, where fear and uncertainty may be crippling them right now, may be weighing heavily on them. Just right now, I ask by your Spirit that you you would touch hearts and minds today. Lord God, that you would bring your peace, that you would bring that assurance, Lord, that you are with them. And Lord, I I also want to pray this morning for those who may be feeling discouraged, feeling like there's all sorts of things coming against them. I pray, Lord, that they would lift their eyes afresh to you today. And I want to ask that you would bring your encouragement Your encouragement, Lord God. So would you come and just minister to those hearts and lives, I pray. And I ask this in your wonderful and matchless matchless name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for for tuning in this morning. God bless you and uh, look forward to, to connecting again soon. Pray you'd have a wonderful week and know the Lord's presence and goodness with you. Amen.